Hi, my name is Craig Gross. I'm the founder of TripleXChurch.com. I love the women. I love the money. And I love the fact that most of the people watching probably want my life. I'm Donovan Phillips, and I'm a porn producer. I remember when I first met Donovan Phillips. Our ministry, Triple X Church, actually exhibits at porn shows. And there we were, manning a 10 by 10 booth. And Donovan comes up to us and says, My dad's a pastor. There's nothing I like better than to meet than meeting someone that that I'd known growing up. And when they asked what I was doing for a living, I'd say, I'm a porn producer. And they'd just kind of snicker and laugh like, yeah, right, funny joke. And I'd be like, no, seriously, I'm a porn producer. All cocky, kind of, I know it's wrong, but I don't care kind of mentality. And over the years, we saw kind of that break down a little. his life for, for years and you know a lot of the, the critics of ours say well this you can just be responsible in your porn viewing and it will never take you anywhere else is that, is that the, the case in most most of the situations you've seen overall i would say that that's kind of completely inaccurate because you you start with something small and then like with me the first year i'm there at the porn shows it disgusts me and as time goes on, I, I enjoy them more and more all the time, and none of it fades me anymore. It's the same with the, with the, with the consumers, for sure. And did you feel bad for what you're putting in the hands of all those customers? One of the things about that I always thought about the consumers, and particularly with Christians, was the law of supply and demand. You know, if, if, if somebody is consuming a product and creating the demand, they're, they're just as involved in pornography as me. They're, they're making it possible for me to make a living producing this plot. So if I'm in a discussion with a Christian, whether it's at a porn show and they're trying to change my ways or whether just in, in general, then I would always ask them the question, so can you honestly say you've never consumed porn? Because if you have, then you're just in this as I am. All of us are vulnerable. You are, I am, all of us are vulnerable. 1 Corinthians 10.12 says this, If you think you are standing strong against temptation, then think again. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You are not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God confidence. Today we're talking about lust. And one of the things that we're going to learn today is you never are going to outgrow lust. There's never ever, guys, there's never ever going to be a time when a girl does not look attractive to you. This is a, a subject that a lot of people don't like talking about, and to be quite honest with you, um, I don't think anybody likes talking about this, but eventually we have to because today, in today's society, it's easier to get pornography than it is to not get it. Again, growing up, you know, um, and 
all of, all of you guys, you know exactly what we're talking about. You know, pornography, it was a whole lot harder to get. You'd go into some seedy gas stations. Um, you would, uh, they would always, you know, like put it behind the counter or whatever. But today, it's just a pop-up away. It's just a pop-up away. Let me give you some stats that is just mind-boggling. The porn industry takes in $57 billion a year. $57 billion. Now, let's put that in perspective. That's more than the combined revenues of the NHL, NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball combined. That's more than the revenues of the entire music industry. In the United States, pornography is a big business as well. $13.3 billion. Now, again, let's put that in perspective. That's more than the combined revenues of these companies. Yahoo, Microsoft, Google, eBay, Amazon, and Apple. All combined. All combined. 40 million Americans visit a porn site daily. There's over 4.2 million pages, excuse me, million websites dedicated to porn sites. One out of three visitors to a porn site is, are women. That was interesting. 90% of children ages 8 through 16 have viewed pornography online. Let me see your hands. How many of you have children ages 8 through 16? Okay. 9 out of 10 of the people that raised your hands, your children have already seen it. The average age that someone sees their first pornographic website is 11 years old. And by the way, internet porn is one of the fastest growing addictions among senior citizens. You know, um, if you're struggling with pornography, let me tell you, you're not alone. 47% of all Christian homes say that internet pornography is a huge problem in their home. And 51% of pastors admit struggling with internet pornography. It doesn't matter your age, your race, your economic status. It doesn't matter your rank. It doesn't matter your friends. It doesn't matter your religion. This is a huge problem. So what do we do about it? You know, what do we do about it? Let me say, the first step we do about it is we're doing what we're doing today. We open up and we talk about it. Because, see, most churches and most people say, you know what, let's keep this outside of the church. This is one of those off-boundaries, out-of-bounds talks that we shouldn't get. But the problem is, is that if we ignore it, it doesn't go away. If we leave this stuff in the dark, it doesn't shrink, it grows. We have to talk about it. And not only that, not only should we talk about it, but the Bible talks about sex and the Bible talks about lust. Today, I believe this is very, very true, that God has something better for us. God has something better for us. God has a more abundant life planned for us than your secret shame. You don't... The dude who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, his name is Paul. Paul was very frank, very honest, very um, uh, open about his struggles, about his sin. Listen to his frustration in Romans chapter 7. This is what he writes. I need something more. 
For if I know the law, but I can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize I do not have what it takes. Something's gone deeply wrong within me, and it gets the better of me every time. It happens so often that it's predictable. It's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. Part of me rebels, and just when I least expect it, it takes charge. I've tried everything, and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Some of you are here today, and that's exactly where you're at. You're at the end of your rope. You may be a man at the end of your rope. You may be a woman at the end of your rope. But you are at the end. You're at a dead end. And there's just frustration. There's deep hopelessness. And if this is where this verse ended, we would just hang our heads in shame and say, there's nothing, nothing, nothing that can help me. But look at what Paul does. Is there anyone out there who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all of my heart and all of my mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Is there anyone out there who can help me get through this? Paul's answer, thank God, is Jesus Christ. That answer is found in Jesus. Let's watch this next clip. Inside, I was just really having a a hard time continuing. And I was like almost ready to explode. I was just, I was just, you know, miserable. I mean, that's really the only word to describe it. We were contractors for Playboy. And one day we were, I was sitting in their office and they'd offered us a new contract. And the contract was for $4,000 a day. I was just ecstatic about the the money. On the way back from their office, um, I started praying to God because I've been doing a lot of praying recently. And I says, you know what, God, it seems like Christians are completely wrong because it doesn't seem to matter what I do. You want to bless me, it seems. And um, right after that, I felt electricity go through my body. It was like almost an electric shock. And it wasn't like... it wasn't really, didn't come in the form of punishment or anything like that. It came more as a form of, you know, I've got a whole lot more for you than this. So I pulled my car over to the side of the road and my hands were shaking and and uh, I just said, man, I'm not doing this anymore. And I, I quit on the day that we were offered more money. And um, I wasn't ready to accept Jesus as my savior or to return the surrender of my life to God, but um, I called up Craig Gross from Triple X Church, and I says, "I'm done. You know, I'm out." And um, I said, "I still have a lot of questions that don't make any sense about God and the Bible, and and I'm not ready to to surrender my life to Him yet." But two weeks later, I was returning once again, and I just said, "God, you know, um, I'm just going to trust that You're going to answer all the different questions and doubts and problems that I have in my mind." And, I'm just going to surrender all of, my, all of this to you and, and trust you to 
to help me. And right there in my car, two weeks after I quit shooting porn, I surrendered my life to God. I mean, just Don, just today, we found out that, that Donnie Pauling is going to go to seminary. Well, he was shooting porn last year. He's going to graduate seminary in two years from now, become a pastor, and who knows what that guy's going to go on to do. So this was never just about getting him to stop porn. That was just the, the very beginning. And I remember, I mean, you telling me, hey, Craig, I still have doubts. I still have things that I haven't come to terms with in my own mind. But I just, I have to believe. I mean, this this just seems and feels so right. Um, yeah, how, how would you encourage somebody to, to just, I guess, give up and, and realize that, that they're not going to be able to do this one on their own? Well, it's definitely something that's going to take God's help. That's for sure. Because it, it, you can't do it on your own. It hurts uh, the wives who walk in on their husband looking at a model on a screen, and it's even more painful when she realizes it's her niece. Or, I mean, these are things that happened all the time. And uh, each one of us involved, from me as a the guy creating the, the supply to, to you as the person consuming it. We all play our part in that. You know, the thing about lust is that when you feed lust, it's never enough. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 20 says this. Death and destruction are never satisfied, and neither are the eyes of a man. You know, the thing about lust is the more you act on it, the shallow your intimacy with other people becomes. The more you act on it, the shallower your level of intimacy with other people. It's like this. If you could picture yourself a heart, and inside this heart, you're throwing all of this triple X stuff in there. And as you're throwing it in there, it's filling up the bottom of it. And it's filling it up. It's filling up until... You get to the point where your heart is all filled with all of this junk that you can't go deep in levels of intimacy with real people. Only with people you can relate to on a screen. Listen to Brian's testimony. I started, you know, looking at, at porn when I was 13. I ran across a, uh, a video that my parents had had in their house, and uh, that's basically where it all started for me. I, I kind of looked at it every once in a while. Um, growing up through high school, um, it wasn't as bad as, as what, it had, what it was about to become. And uh, and then I got got married to to my wife, and uh, it was, you know, in, in the early stages of our marriage, everything was, you know, everything was good. There was no need to have to look for anything else, um, you know. But then, for some reason, it, you know, the, the pornography had reared its ugly head again and um, called me back and wanted me to, for some reason, look at it more and more. And I had known he had magazines and a couple of movies, but I always thought, oh, that's just what guys do, and, you know, it was nothing... I never thought or even dreamed that it was going as far as it did. You know, the stuff I started to look at got, 
know, more and more graphic, um, a little bit more and more hardcore. Like putting your slide at the top of a hill and you just kind of scooch closer and closer and you get to a point where your slide's not going to stop and you just zip down the hill and things got away. An advertisement came up for an event called Porn on Pancakes, which was sponsored by Triple X Church. I think it was the first speaking engagement that Donnie Pauling had had uh, with them after coming out of producing pornography. Um, he sat up there with J.R. Mann and, and basically told told everybody what you know what went on in his life, um, what he had seen, um, all the girls' lives that he had destroyed, the stories of all the girls. You know, I, I looked at him and I said, "Hey, I need to talk to you about this. I've got a problem." And so he was he was very very concerned and very loving towards me. And um, I told him about all my junk. I laid it all out there on the floor for him. And um, I said, "Hey, listen. Here's the problem I've got. Um, here's where I'm at." I want to end this. And so basically I drove home, probably the fastest I've ever driven home from church. My wife came around the corner and uh, I just gave her a big hug. Well, I could tell on the look of, on his face too that something huge had happened. I went into the living room. Um, it was December, so we had, you know, firewood with us there. And I opened up the fireplace and I started a fire. Walked to our bedroom. Um, I had had a collection of DVDs, some magazines and stuff that, you know, that we kept under the bed. And that was the only thing that, that Darce ever really knew about. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then so I grabbed that material and I, I came back walking down the hall. And obviously being at the event that I was just at, she noticed what was going on. She looked at me. She smiled. I think it was probably the biggest smile I'd ever, you know, other than our marriage seen on your face. Um, I walked by her, opened up the fireplace. I had taken the magazines and the DVDs and I, I threw them all in the fire. Things have gotten so much better since then. I mean, we're able to talk better. We're, we're a lot more open. A lot more open. I don't feel like you're hiding anything from me. Um, it's like a whole different person. It's like a whole different person. Did you listen to Brian's story? Um, he ended up going to that church, and who was speaking? His name was Donnie, the fellow you just heard his story about. You see, where you get hope and how you get out of this is you start talking about it. You start becoming open, and when you start talking about it, when you bring lust into the light, lust lacks its luster. When you bring this stuff into the light... It can't grow anymore. And you talk about it. And you share your story. And you're able to share your story with other people. Because maybe the reason why you have your story is so that you can be able to help others. We're in the Sermon on the Mount. That's where we've been looking at in Hoarders. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and start turning there. And I want to say this. Um, we're talking about sex. And I want to say a big huge difference there's a difference between sexual desire and lust sexual desire and lust uh, sexual desire is not bad sexual desire is good if you think about it when the very first week of the series we talked about anger and we said that anger in itself is not bad right anger can be good I mean, we can have a righteous anger. We can be angry that some injustice has happened, and we can go do something good about that. So there's nothing specifically wrong with anger. But when anger gets twisted, anger, hoarding anger, can ruin your life. The same with sex. Nothing wrong with sex. 
You know, you, you hear a lot of different churches, a lot of different people, they'll say sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is bad. I am here to say sex is good. Anybody want to say I agree with that? All right, y'all are going, yes, Jesus, right? There's nothing wrong with sex. And in fact, let me even say this. Do you know the act of lusting after a woman's unclothed body is not bad? Did you know that? It depends on what woman's body you're lusting after. I'll give you an example. I'll never forget when I was in seminary and I asked one of my profs, I raised my hand, I says, is it okay to lust after your wife? He smiled, he says, Absolutely. You should. You know, lusting after one's wife, that it's really not really lust. But the reason why I'm saying that sex is a good thing is because sometimes, depending upon the culture you grew up in or grew up in the church maybe you grew up in, it was always sex is bad, sex is bad, and it's not. The reason why I'm spending some time on this is, ladies, you want your husbands to only have eyes for you, right? It's not only a good 50 song. You really want that to be the case. To only have eyes for you. In fact, let me just ask you a question, ladies. How often does your spouse want to be intimate with you? Every day? Every hour? That's right. All right, cool. I, I was thinking the every hour thing, um, maybe, you know, every 30 minutes. Um, and, and, and the reason why, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, sometimes, ladies, you may want to pull your hair out because, like, oh, my gosh. Does he ever think of anything else? The answer, men, no. We sometimes think about food, all right? Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. However, and this is the definition of lust I want us to, I want us to look at. The sin of lust is when you get turned on by somebody else besides your mate. The sin of lust is when you get turned on by somebody else besides your mate. So many times when we think of sex, this is the type of person we think about. Look at this picture. The church lady, right? So, I mean, I'll never forget watching that for the very first time. And he was interviewing Sean Penn. You know, and Sean Penn at the time was married to Madonna. Y'all, anybody remember that one? And she says, so, you're married to, uh, to a woman who is the mother of our Lord. And I remember watching that, and eventually Sean punches him in the face. But when we think of sex, we think of somebody like this, who's always throwing judgments and always just very prude and proper, and uh, is always no, 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 no. And I want to let you know, that is not the picture of God. God is not no, 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 no to sex. In fact, crazy thing, sex was his idea. He thought it up. In fact, he created Adam and Eve. Y'all remember that, right? Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. It's in there. In fact, he gave them sex before sin ever happened. Nothing wrong with sex. The problem is when sexual desire gets twisted and we start getting attracted to someone else besides our wife or our husband. When we start, guys, when we take that second look. Now, so I know some of you guys right now, this is what you're not going to say out loud because your spouse is next to you. But you're going, there ain't nothing wrong. There ain't nothing wrong with a second look. There's nothing wrong with looking at the menu as long as I don't order, right? Seriously. Well, let me tell you what Jesus says about that type of thinking. This is what Jesus says. 
Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. Okay, check. Haven't done that. But I say, anyone who has even... What's that next word? Anyone who has even what? Looks. Looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. All right, guys, time to come clean. How many of y'all have committed adultery in your heart? I have. The rest of you guys who aren't raising your hands, you're a liar. Right. Some of you are ticked right now. But if you are a male, you have a problem with this. Throwing that out there. You have a problem with this. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor. I'm a guy. And guys, they say, think about sex every, I think it's seven minutes. Um, some of you are overachievers. Right. But the fact of the matter is, and this is, what, this is what Jesus is saying, and he did this with anger. He says, you know what, okay, this is what Moses said, and, he, and here he quotes the seventh commandment, don't commit adultery. But Jesus even goes beyond just the act of sleeping in somebody's bed. He says, no, 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 let's go deeper because it's not, before you commit adultery, what happens before adultery? Lust does. He says, I'm, I'm, I, we're not just going to focus on, the, on what happens outwardly. We're going to focus on what happens inwardly. He takes it further. Jesus is saying, I'm not so much interested about the outside, but what's going on inside. Do you want to know where lust comes from? Let me tell you where it doesn't come from. It doesn't come from Cat West. It doesn't come from the internet. And it doesn't come from a movie. Let me tell you where lust comes from. Lust comes from us. In fact, you can't spell lust without us. Lust comes from us. This is what Jesus said in Mark 7.20. It is what comes from where? Inside that makes someone unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, Theft, murder, adultery, all of this stuff, all of these evils come from the inside of a man and make a man unclean. Lust comes from us. Sexual sins aren't out there. They're in here. They're in here. It's in here. Lust comes from us. But let me tell you another thing. Lust is also all about us. Lust is selfish. Lust is not thinking what the other person needs out of the relationship. Lust is how can I get mine? How can I get mine? It's us being selfish. And lust comes from us and it's all about us. And I believe Jesus Christ has the answer for guys. All of us in here, all of us struggle how we can get past this issue. So how do you tame lust? This is where we're going to spend the rest of our time, the few minutes we have today. How do you get... How do, you, how, do you, how do you deal with this lust? How, if, you, if you're hoarding lust, how do you get it out? Well, it's three things. You talk to God. Talk to God about it. You talk to somebody else about it, and you clean it up. Talk about it to God. Talk about it to somebody else, and then you clean it up. Let's look at the first one. Do you know he knows the number of hairs on your head? 
That's what the Bible says. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows your thoughts before you even think them. So for you to keep this stuff from God is kind of dumb. Because he knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're doing. You're not, you may be fooling everybody else, but you cannot fool God because he's just waiting for you to simply just give up. Give up trying, give up all of this stuff, and give this stuff to him. Simply say, God, I need your help. You talk to God. God, I need your help. I cannot do this on my own. I'm ashamed. I'm embarrassed. God, please forgive me. The great thing about this is there's not any other relationship like the relationship we have with God. He's the only one who can read our thoughts. Isn't that right? I mean, aren't we excited that our spouse can't read our thoughts? Seriously. Now, guys, you're going, again, you're not, you're not, you're, this is the quietest the men have ever been in here, by the way. Throw that out there. But you, you are agreeing with me right now. In fact, ladies, we could even say this to you. Aren't you glad your husband can't read your thoughts? Throw this out there. You know, one in three women struggle with porn, but guys are visual. Women, not so much. Their porn addictions are many times slutty romance novels because that's what gets them excited. Oh, now, now the women being quiet, aren't you? All right. You see, all of us struggle with finding intimacy somewhere besides our spouse. And the only legitimate place for you to find intimacy is your spouse. Did you know that? That's the only legitimate source for romance and intimacy is found in your spouse. You've got to confess this to God. He already knows about it. Confess it to God. But it doesn't stop there. If it stops there, you're going to continue. You must then, you've got to look for somebody else to talk to. And that's the point number two. You've got to talk about this to someone else. Many of us think, you know, guys, that we're the only ones who struggle with this. And that is a lie. That is a lie. We are not the only ones who struggle with this. If you are a male, you struggle with this. Now, here's the problem comes. is This is one of those things we never, ever talk about. Not just even in church, but just with each other. And we, you have to be intentional talking about this. I mean, guys, seriously, you may go into a conversation, you're like, hey, you know, you go up to a friend, how you doing? Hey, what about, the, you know, what about that? What about Duke? What about Duke? Wasn't that, wasn't that a great game? Yeah, okay, cool. And you, in, your, in your mind, you're going, okay, I got I to gotta talk to somebody about this. But it never does get there, does it? Because that just not, that's not something you just casually bring up. You bring it up when you get caught. But you don't just casually bring it up. So you've got to figure out a way... To bring this up, you got to be intentional. Let me, I'm going to show you a way that you can get intentional about talking about this. Watch this. Welcome to x3watch.com. My name is Craig Gross. I'm the founder of Triple X Church. And I uh, want to let you know what you're going to find here on X3watch. Uh, the first thing is X3watch. What is that? That's a free accountability software. It's going to monitor all the websites that you look at online and going to send a report every week or two weeks to a friend, to your mom, to your dad, to your spouse, um, and keep you accountable online. It's available for PC, for Mac, and for the iPhone, and we even have a pro version of that that costs a little bit of money, uh, but has technical support and some other great features for the PC. That is how you get intentional about talking about this. 
is you go, and by the way, this was free. Some of you go, I ain't going to pay you nothing for no software. Well, it's free. Dummy. It's free. Go to x3watch.com. I mean, we all have excuses why we're not going to do this. This gets us intentional. And you find somebody. You know, you find somebody and you say, listen, I want to start doing this. And you may not even have a problem with it right now. You may not even be struggling with pornography. We all struggle with lust, but you may not be struggling with porn. But you say, listen, I just, I want to put up some boundaries there. Can I put your name on this list? So that every month, you get a list of all the sites I'm looking at. And then, as you do that, then you start having conversations. Then you start getting intentional. When you start getting back a bad report from that person, I'm going to have to have this talk. And, and nobody likes that. But that's what accountability is. Let me tell you, accountability is giving the responsibility to someone to be able to ask you tough questions. And I want to say this as well. <laughs> this is not going to go away on its own. I have never met one person who's gotten over an addiction to pornography on their own. It's not going to happen. You may have quit smoking on your own. You may have lost 200 pounds on your own. You may have uh, started going to the gym on your own. This is not one of those things you're going to do on your own. In fact, that is our big idea. Our big idea is you aren't strong enough to get over this on your own. Can't do it can't do it third thing is this you got to talk about it to god talk about it to somebody else and then you got to clean it up you install the software and that's that's a start but you clean up listen how as we close what jesus says in matthew 5 29 and verse 30 he says something extremely shocking he says this so if your eye even your good eye causes you to lust gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than the whole party, whole part of your body to be thrown into hell. Now, is he saying take a dull spoon and start digging? All right, next, next verse. And if your hand, even your strong hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body, body to be thrown in hell itself. Pluck your eye out, cut off your hand. Is, I mean, what is, is this like Saul too? You know, body parts flying everywhere. Well, hear me. He's not saying you should literally do this. Because if we did, all the guys in here would be blind. Right? Let me tell you what he's doing. He's using something called hyperbole and exaggeration. He's saying, and, and, and it's shock factor. He's saying you've got to do something radical. And this is what he's saying. You have to remove the source of your temptation. Now, let's apply this in today's terms, how this can work in today's terms. The first thing is this. I mean, for you, it might be getting rid of your smartphone. You think, I got to have a phone. Well, okay, you can keep it, and it's going to ruin your life. Get one of those jitterbugs. I don't know. How about this? Um, If you don't get rid of your phone, install X3 on your phone. Or what about this? Uh, Get rid of your computer. Now, some of y'all are going, that's dumb. I need a computer. Well, again, how bad do you want to quit? If that's not an option, then maybe you install 
X3 watch on all of your computers. Another thing, take your computer out of the enclosed room that you have it in. I mean, we did this, my wife and I, a long time ago. Is you know what? We, uh, it's not behind closed doors. Another thing, um, if you have a child and, or, or a teenager who has a computer you, and it has Internet access, you've got to get that thing out of their room. It's like you have a 600-pound gorilla in their room that eventually something's going to happen. Get it out of their room. Put it on the kitchen table. Well, it messes up with my feng shui. Get over it. Get over it. Put some flowers around it. Decorate on it. But get over it. Because this will ruin your life. And none of us are safe. None of us. What are you going to do? Because right now, you're sitting there thinking, okay, I hear you. The Bible says your sin will find you out. What are you going to do with this talk? You're going to leave here and say, yeah, that was uncomfortable. Hey, honey, I wonder who struggles with that stuff. You know, um, this, and this is the hard thing, a uh, 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 hard thing when it comes to men and women. You know, probably your accountability partner shouldn't be your spouse on this one. You need to find one. If you're in a community group, you find a guy in that group and you talk about this. Because let me tell you, when, uh, when you struggle with this and you talk to your spouse, they immediately get offended. They take it personally and crazy enough, they should. But ladies, it has nothing to do with deficiencies in you. It has to do with deficiencies in us. You struggle with other sins. This one is primarily ours, though it seems more and more ladies are struggling with this as well. You've got to find somebody of the same sex to be able to talk about this too. And you've got to talk about it. You've got to be intentional about it. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? As we leave here um, on the hub, there are uh, tons of resources about pornography on something called Porn Again. It is uh, actually uh, put out by a pastor in Seattle from, um, from Marshall Church called Mark Driscoll. And it's a great, great resource talking about pornography talking about masturbation, talking about a lot of the things that many of us get uncomfortable in church talking about. But amazingly enough, God is not silent on this issue. He's not silent. Let's pray. And uh, we're going to turn out all the lights. Uh, No one looking around, nobody's eyes open. And uh, we're just going to be really real with God right now. Really real with God. Some of you right now, you know this is your issue. In fact, if you're a guy, lust is probably your biggest thing.
It's the thing that all of us struggle with that keeps us from moving forward. Some of you are in here today and you're like, Chris, I have an issue. It may, it may be with pornography, it might not be, but it just may be with thoughts. It may be with a, a past partner and every time your mind drifts back to them or you play the comparison game with your current spouse or, or whatever and you struggle with these things. We're going to pray for you right now. But I want to be very clear, just praying is not going to do it. It's going to take some praying, but it's also going to take some action. It's going to take, yes, you talking to God, but it's going to take you talking to someone else about this. Because you cannot do it on your own. You can't get over it. You've got to have a conversation. I'm going to pray, and then I want everybody's head to keep on just down. I don't want anybody looking around. Dear God... Um, I just pray for those right now who are struggling with lust, who are struggling with pornography, who are struggling with thoughts, who are struggling with all of this stuff going around in our head. And it may be porn that we looked at when we were 8 years old, 12 years old, but it still just rattles around in our heads. And we think about it. God, I pray for us, men and women who struggle with this, God, that you would take captive every thought. Lord, that we would start spending more time in God's word, more time there and less time on the internet, on the computer, on the television, less time in magazines, less time in novels, in romance novels, and more time spending time with you in your word. For your word says that you transform our, our minds, God, in Romans 12 too. You transform our minds. You transform the way we think. And you use your word to do it, God. Lord, that's a start, but that's not where it stops. For Lord, I pray for all of us in here that we would find, if we're a guy, we would find another guy and we would be real to him. We would say, you know what? I want to install this on my computer. Can I put, you, can I put your name down? Can I have your email address? I want to install this on my computer. If you're a lady... You're struggling with this. You find another lady and you say, I'm struggling with this. Can I put your name down? Would you mind? Please help. I can't do this on my own. I can't do it on my own. Lord, that's what we pray. With every head bowed, every eye closed, there are some of you in here that you have friends who are struggling with this and you're thinking, how do I deal with this? How do I go and you talk to them about it? Well, Josh is getting ready to sing a song about this. But the first thing is you got to get really uncomfortable and you got to go and talk to them. You love them enough to confront. And see, in our society, we don't do that anymore. We say, you know, that's their business. That's their junk. But we've been in this series called Hoarders. And one of the things that we realize that we can't clean house on our own. It takes God, but it takes other people. It takes people being intentional, asking very pointed questions about habits, about addictions, about bitterness, about our anger, about our, un our unwillingness to forgive, about our fear, about our lust. It takes people who know us the best asking us the tough questions. And that is what you do. You care enough to confront. You sit down across the table and just maybe, just maybe if you care enough to confront... 
you might be able to save a life. You might be able to save a marriage. You might be able to save a relationship. You might be able to save a friendship. But you got to sit down and you got to talk. Amen. Um, thank you guys so much for being here. I know um, it's kind of a heavy topic today. So, um, um, yeah, thank you, Chris, for addressing it. Um, if you guys um, need help, um, if you guys need help, um, I'd love to offer it. So, um, yeah, if you don't need to go home before you deal with some of the stuff that we talked about today, um, stick around afterwards. I'll be up here. Um, I know personally um, how bad this can ruin your life. Um, literally, um, I know personally. And so um, I'd love to offer that if you need to talk to somebody that won't judge you. So uh, we'll be here, okay? Um, we're going to sing a, a song right now. Um, it's called How to Save a Life by the Free. And uh, we're going to receive our offering during this time. So uh, you guys just stay seated and uh, enjoy it. Sing with me if you know. Step one, you say we need to talk. He walks, you say sit down, it's just a talk. He smiles politely back at you. You stare politely right on through. Some sort of window to your right. As he goes left and you stay right between the lines of fear and blame.
around and listen to the rest you can. If not, we'll see you next week. Sailing.